four years old through fourth grade. You may be dismissed for that right now. There's also childcare, of course, for babies right up through fourth grade, uh, always available. So happy you could be here today, and I welcome you warmly in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Actually, uh, uh, Regis, I wanted to just embarrass your friends. Could you just tell us who these uh, distinguished gentlemen are, really briefly? Welcome, welcome, brothers. Thank you for coming all the way from Brazil. You get the travel award today. So, the pastor and some leaders in the church there, they were down at, uh, uh, at John MacArthur's church, had the thing called the Shepherd's Conference. Uh, I've been to it many, many times. Great blessing. So, uh, welcome to you. We are in, as you can see, 1 Corinthians, and we're going to look at just a few verses today in chapter chapter 9. Um, it's one whole whole thought, and so I'm going to read the entire chapter, and then we're going to try to pull out the, the main point of this passage. And you can see I've titled it, Everyone's Slave. Uh, that's what Paul calls himself here. When you see the word servant, it's kind of a difficulty in English to translate because the word is doulos, uh, very common in the New Testament, and it does mean slave. It was somebody who was owned, not hired, not paid, but owned by the family. Uh, the difference is slaves in the Roman Empire were very common and oftentimes treated rather well as almost family members, uh, but it's not quite a servant, not, not quite somebody who uh, is hired and can, can quit, for example. These are slaves. And that's, that's the language Paul uses about himself toward God. Uh, he says, uh, I think it's four times specifically, I am a slave of God. I am a slave of Jesus Christ. That's how he viewed himself. And in this passage, he says he's a slave of, of everyone, of other people. He just talked about how in chapter 8, how uh, last week I, I, my title was Brother Keeping 101, and he had just talked about how we need to be very cautious about how our behavior affects our brothers in Christ. And if, if what I do causes a brother to stumble, and in the language that means actually causes them to sin, then I won't do that thing. I'm, my morality and ethics, they're tied into that other guy's conscience as well. So in a sense, I become his servant. I become sensitive to his needs. And I tie my behavior into who he is and what he needs. So on that thought, Paul moves into, that's sort of a subset, I think, for Paul, of this greater idea that he actually views his whole life as, as tied in with how I affect other people. At the end of the day, what will be my impact in this world? Did I just live for myself? Was I a self-centered, self-consumed, 
individual? Or did I leave a lasting legacy of value? Did my life's investment... Andy, what was that phrase you used about uh, change? Uh, it was a wonderful phrase. I, I meant to write it down, but I didn't have a pen. It, you're, you're, you're working in Africa to produce people to, to reach their best potential house. Thank you. We're working to help people to reach all that God intended for them. You see, God doesn't intend for your human life to end with, wow, that guy owned some toys. <laughs> Have you ever seen that bumper sticker? It's like, he who dies with the best toys wins. Um, you know, that seems to be the American dream, to have a garage full of amazing toys. Got the boat, motorcycle. I know no other man has that. I have a thing for vehicles, but I, I followed a red Corvette for about three miles yesterday. The guy was a huge He got into the tunnel Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are you not my workmanship in the Lord? If to others I am not an apostle, at least I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. This is my defense to those who would examine me. Do we not have the right to be angry? Do we not have the right to take along a believing wife as do the other apostles and the brothers of the Lord and Cephas? In fact, it's tiny bit, I won't get to it. A lot of interesting language here. But he has groups of people here, apostles, and those are the uh, 11 disciples plus Paul. The brothers of the Lord are the actual um, physical baby boys that Mary gave birth to after Jesus. They're the brothers of the Lord, like James and Jude, uh, authors in our Bible. The brothers, they're married. These guys are all married. And Cephas is actually 
Peter. Peter. So he's saying, hey, those guys are all married. I've given up on marriage so that I can be a better apostle. That's, that's my thing. Uh, I, I had the right to take a wife, but I gave it up. Get back to the text of the Or is it only Barnabas and I have no right to refrain from working for a living? Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard without eating any of its fruit? Or who tends a flock without getting some of them out? Do I say these things on human authority? Does not the law say the same? For it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out in the grain. When it treads out the grain. Is it for oxen that God is concerned? Does he not speak entirely for our sake? As it is written, for our sake. Because the plowman should plow in hope and the thresher thresh in hope of sharing in the crop. If we have some spiritual things among you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? If others share this rightful claim on you, do not be even more. Nevertheless, we have not made use of this right, but we endure anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. Do you not know that those who are employed in the temple service get their food from the temple? And those who serve at the altar share in the sacrificial offering. In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. But I have made no use of any of these rights, nor am I writing these things to secure any such provision, for I would rather die than have anyone deprive me of my ground for boasting. For if I preach the gospel, that gives me no ground for boasting. For necessity is laid upon me. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. For if I do this by my own will, I have a reward. But if not of my own will, I am still entrusted with a spiritual. What then is my reward? That in my preaching I may present the gospel free of charge, so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel. For though I am free from all, here's my title verse, verse 19, for though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant or a slave of all that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law, God, but under the law, Christ that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, that I might win the weak. 
I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessing. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So much that he may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath. But we, an imperishable, there's a difference between the shining goods of that versus rewards laid in heaven that are imperishable. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we, an imperishable. So, I do not run aimlessly, I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Father, in your grace, add your blessing to the reading of your word this morning. We thank you for it. And as we just spent a few minutes for the gleaming highlights, I pray that you would teach us. And that whatever I say will be your thoughts after you. And that we would be challenged to, to live a little bit more like Paul. And we always pray through Jesus Christ alone, our glorious Savior. Amen. So again, highlights of this text. Uh, I invite you to do your own study. By the way, I say that occasionally, you know, really helpful. That if you read ahead next week, you probably will be a chapter 10. Okay, so you can bank on that, read ahead, I read the whole book of Christian. Everyone's slave. First of all, Paul is definitely the willing slave, isn't he? He's, he's telling us over and over here that he has done this willingly. Uh, he, he's volunteered. And, and look at what he's doing.
slavery compared to sovereignty. Evangelism is founded upon the sovereignty of God. Paul is a evangelist, but it's founded on his knowledge that God is sovereign over who comes to God. God has an elect, chosen group who will come to salvation. And look at it here, Acts 18. I'll read it, Acts 18. Remember, this is where uh, God literally comes to Casting the line, the flies are coming out, waiting, 
course, I'm a very bad boss. You know, right? You didn't say that. So he's saying, I don't necessarily slot my Jewish Ten Commandments perfection in front of the Gentiles so that they can easily reject, oh, well, that's a Jewish thing. You know what a lot of people think about Christianity in that way? It's an American thing. Sovereignty. Are you trusting God's reign for ultimate power? 